yes, you can still want to win that championship or get that starting job or whatever that goal is, but you can't get a starting job in one minute. You know, I've worked with a lot of teams, division one, two, and three. I don't know any player that's ever come in and had a really great lift in September. And the coach says, you know what? You just crushed it. You're now our starting point guard for the next four years, no matter what, you know, if they do, and if someone can, can share that, I'd, I'd love to have a conversation, but it's the consistency of, and the foundation of controlling the controllables. My name is Jake Thompson, your Chief Encouragement Officer, and this is the Compete Everyday Podcast, a show designed to encourage and equip you with the tools to build a winning mindset so you can build your winning life. Text PODCAST to 972-945-9113 to join our Morning Motivation Club and visit CompeteEveryday.com for past podcast episodes and to learn more about our resources and gear for ambitious people who are ready to start winning. Welcome to the show. This is not a repeat of the archives. You're reading it correctly. Christopher J. Worth from No Quit Living comes back on the show after, dang, three and a half years. And today we're talking all about mental performance, how it translates from sports to life. We talk about resetting after bad plays and bad days. We talk about the importance of being in the moment, why sometimes we have to almost compartmentalize some of those emotions until later when we can unpack them so we can continue to perform leading our teams on that sales call, giving that presentation where we're needed most. So a ton of great insights today from Chris as we talk about mental performance and translating it into our everyday life. Before we kick off the show, I want to give a shout out to Competitor Nation member Jen Givler. Jen is one of those competitors, maybe just like you, that's taking on the January challenge with me. She is active in our group at CompetitorNation.com and looking for a strong way to start the year. So Jen, I want to give a shout out to you tell you how much I appreciate you listening to the show choosing to take on this challenge this month to start the year strong and continuing to support the work we do here at Compete Every Day. If you are not already plugged in, head on over to competitornation.com. You can learn about the challenge. Heck, if you want to get caught up, we're only a few days in. I'll let you get in and get started. Roll that into February, but join us as we have a foolproof plan to make you better physically, mentally, relationally, heck, financially, and leadershiply. We'll say this year, and I'd love to see you in there and get to know you better. So head on over to competitornation.com, join in the community, join in the monthly challenge, and let me get to know you and support you as you compete every day for your best life. Now, let's get into today's show with No Quit Living's Christopher Worth. Christopher, welcome back to the Compete Everyday Podcast. I appreciate it. It's an honor to be back. We just recorded on mine, so I think it's it's the back-to-back uh, follow-through here. It is. It is. Okay, so we're going to queue it up. We've got a link to the first episode in the show notes, but I got to ask, because I enjoyed asking before, uh, when do you know when you should quit and when you should press on? It's so funny that you asked that because so many people – have the idea or they preface it as, oh, so you, you believe in never giving up no matter what. And I think that falls along the idea of insanity. Um, so for example, 
for me, I look at quitting from the perspective of when you get knocked down or when you face adversity, it's, do you get back up? Do you have that inner toughness, the mindset to say, Hey, I can do this through these tough times or challenges, whether it's launching a business, whether it's a new relationship, whether it's doing something that you haven't done in the gym, a sport, so many different examples. But I think the, the other perspective is, for example, if you're launching a business and it's been multiple years and, you know, there's bankruptcy or things like that. I think that's when you need to pivot or make an adjustment or try a different endeavor. And I think the the uh, question you asked is is really a good one because it's not about never quitting no matter what. It's about being selective with do you quit and and actually give up or do you stop? Do you reset? A gentleman that was on my podcast, God, this is a couple of years ago, he had talked about quitting and he talked about r- running a marathon and he said you know, he stopped and started walking. He said, I didn't quit. I think it was mile 21 or 22. He said, I didn't give up and take my sneakers off and throw throw them off. He said, I stopped running. I go, He said, I went really slow. I wouldn't even call it walking. But he said he went the next 200 yards, then 1,000 yards, and he started walking a little faster. And he figured out, okay, I can go a little bit longer. So I think there's there's the mix of actually giving up and quitting trying something different, realizing that the current path you're on is not working, whether you've tried resources financially, resources within your network. Uh, and I think some of the great stories that you know you wrote about in your new book, which, which is phenomenal, by the way, I think a lot of people learn so much from those challenging times where they could have given up, but they didn't. And they realized that they had to try harder, try something different, or get advice from a coach, mentor, or somebody that's done their done what they're doing um previous. So I think it's a it's a really fun question. And you, know, you asked it probably the most uh straightforward way I've ever been asked. And so <laughs> I love that. So let's piggyback off of that because one of the things you mentioned there is the importance of counsel, right? Accountability. It's important to be mindful who we take feedback from, who we take guidance from, because the people that we think might give us feedback of, hey, you should quit and give this up. Don't necessarily have our best interest at heart. And so how do you select who you take specific feedback from? The I I know you know the the famous quote, the man in the arena. Um, It's just such a powerful quote. And it's so ironic that you asked this because I was listening to a couple different podcasts over the last couple of days since you and I last spoke. And ironically, both of those podcasts spoke about that quote, the man in the arena, and who do you listen to in regards to for advice or counsel? And and for me, one of the things that, that I look at is, is this person in the same arena that I'm in? For example, doing mental performance coaching with a lot of college teams and coaches and corporations, that's where I would seek that advice from not somebody that would be, for example, in a completely different industry, working with completely different um, people. And I think it's important to to look at those people that are ahead of you and ask guidance and to be completely transparent with your with your audience. You've been somebody that, you know, has been a friend for for many years now, but you've given me a lot of guidance because you're farther ahead down in the speaking space than I am. I've done a lot and I really enjoy it, but wearing both hats of the mental performance side, 
I spend a lot of time there. So you've been, you know, so kind to give me some advice. And, and I think to the audience out there, I would, I would encourage any of you, you know, to reach out to somebody that's ahead of you or a couple of years ahead of you, because I'm not going to speak for you, Jake, but some of the people that have given me five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes of their time that are very successful, they've had many people in their life at different points that have poured into them. And I think those people, even though they're successful and way ahead of, of where I am, I think they're able to look back and say, you know, I've had two or three or five people early on in my career that really helped me. And, and it's it's so powerful when you connect with those type of people, because I think they're so willing to give back. Now, I want to preface it that I'm not talking about, you know, reaching out to anybody and say, hey, you know, and I hope no one reaches out to you, Jake. And say, hey, Chris said to, uh, you know, give me five hours of your time, but do it in a respectful way. Ask somebody, hey, Jake, you know, I heard you on Chris's podcast. You know, would you mind setting up a five minute call? Would you mind? answering these two questions. And I'm not going to speak for you, but I know for a fact you would answer those because you've had some people that have been helpful to you. And that to me is, is what true greatness is. It's giving back to others. Yeah. And, and it, it plays into the thing that, you know, we talked about in that second book and we've talked about before of the idea, you need the people ahead of you. You need the people beside you in the trenches. And then you need kind of the ball boys, uh, ball girls, the ones that are down the line that you can pour into. But to your point, it's also the intentionality with which you go after those relationships, right? You and I had a relationship. You ask a couple of questions and I was just like, here, here's a ton of stuff. But going into somebody reaching out to you cold that is wanting to get into mental performance, it's not the, hey, can I pick your brain, have a cup of coffee? Because we both get those all the time. And, and I screen it because usually people are like, hey, let's go get lunch. And I'm like, cool, listen, tell you what, shoot me back three very specific questions you have about speaking, about apparel, whatever the question is. And then I'm going to shoot you a voice note back. Like right now, I'm super busy with travel and logistics. Like, I'm just not going to carve time away from family or book launch for that. But if you'll shoot me questions, that weeds out 95% of the people right there. And that just says, oh, I just want your time. I don't necessarily want to learn from you, which is a killer versus the person who's like, hey, Christopher, uh, I know you're in mental performance. One, at this point, what's the certification the first certification you'd go get. What's the first book you would recommend reading to learn more? Uh, and what is a podcast I should listen to frequently? So you start with those three. You give somebody those information, that information. Then they come back in a month. Hey, I've gone through Caner, or I'm going through Caner certification. I've read this book. Have this other question. Well, then you're like, cool. Let's hop on Zoom for 15, 20 minutes. I'll give you some time because you're somebody who's going to do the work versus like, hey, just give it to me. I don't necessarily care about your time. I, you know, I, I the way you worded that, I, I kind of knew where you were going, but the way you worded it, I think is is so important. And, and you talk about weeding out and it's, for me, the other perspective is I do, I do something similar, but I like to challenge those people to really see how interested they are. And to your point, I, I would say 95% of the people will follow up with like a, a really, you know, simple question or something. And it's those 5% that'll have like these very specific two or three point questions. And I'm mentoring a, um, uh, a 
gentleman that just graduated college a couple of years ago and he's getting into my into my field and and he's been that type of guy that has followed all those those rules he's dotted all the i's crossed all the t's so i'm very gracious and grateful to give him those 15 20 minutes but again to your point it's not all the time whenever he wants whenever he calls like sure you know i'm just about to go on stage you know but let me tell them yeah. to wait 20 minutes and you know i got to talk to you yeah, I, I that's the one thing. It's funny. I I've been utilizing the last year or so Voxer with some coaching clients and others, and love it for that reason. Like, shoot me a very specific question. If I want background, I'll ask you for additional context. But then, hey, I'm I'm in the airport. I'm go like I'll just shoot you back a quick note. But that I always want to say like, what is the specific question? Because I don't want to just have coffee to get to know. Like, there's people. Yes that I'm going to have that. But if you're reaching out of like, Hey, I see you're a speaker. I want to do this. Let me just go get coffee and then learn everything from you. Like I did some of those and then the people never took action. And I'm like, well, that was a waste of my time and a waste of yours. So how do we make sure that you're committed? Uh, one of the things I'm curious, kind of switching gears, cause I know you do a lot of the coaching. Uh, you work with a lot in the sports space. Um, the idea of leveraging lack of a better phrase, comparison, where it's beneficial from a learning perspective, detrimental from a, a worth perspective. And I feel like a lot of athletes today, especially struggle, social media, or promoting oh, highlights, all of this. Like, so how are you, because I don't think adults are very different, right? We may think we're more mature at 30 or 40 than at 18. And in ways we are, but we're still very much addicted to this little device here. So as you're working with teams and individuals, how are you getting them to say, hey, look, look at a teammate and learn from them, be inspired by them, but don't beat yourself up for not being them. Like you got to focus on what you control. It's such a such a powerful question. And what I always talk about is I try to make it simple. And I know you that I know, you know, the term K-I-S-S, keep it simple, yep. stupid. I think yep. that was probably written or created for me because when I first started, I had like these 412 steps to this and I'm as I'm going through in my mind and, and preparing and I'm getting confused. I'm like, what am I doing? So I, I literally take everything and start from scratch. But when it comes to, to that specific topic, I always talk to especially athletes that it's perfectly okay. And it's a very good thing to look up to or to emulate something that somebody has accomplished, whether that's individual sport, whether that's a team sport, but there's a very fine line between wanting to be that person or comparing yourself to that person's absolute best versus maybe your starting point. So for example, in the college space, especially with the pandemic, there are many fifth and sixth year seniors. You know, people yep. got ex extra years and and you know it was a whole crazy mess. But if you are a freshman, let's say you're an 18 or 19 year old student, it's perfectly okay to emulate that fifth or sixth year senior, what they've done on that field or court and say, okay, I want to accomplish that. That's my goal. But there's a very significant flaw in the sense of saying, okay, as a 19 year old or an 18 year old that graduated high school three months ago, I'm now going to compare myself to a 24 year old. And I think it's so ironic that you talked about adults because we all do it. We always compare ourselves. And we talked about this on, on my podcast and we talked about it offline. If you're comparing yourself from your starting point or month two 
to somebody's absolute highlight reel that they post on Instagram or fake Facebook, you're always going to lose because they're literally taking their absolute best of the best two years, four years, five years into it. And you're comparing your five minutes, you're going to lose. So I really talked to, to my athletes and even the coaches, you know, don't compare yourself to that person or that team, emulate them, emulate their success, but then put in the work. And you talked about it with, with mentoring people is, most people don't put in the work. And I always say, emulate this, figure out what it is, but then you have to reverse engineer it and you need to bust your tail from 19 to the age of 23. And if you do that, then you can compare yourself at 23 or 24 to their 23 or 24, but not 19 or 18 to 23 or 24. What are, what are some of the things that you implement with your folks to reset that focus? Like when you notice there's a player that's continually going back to comparing themselves with that other person, because there's obviously sports, there's a competitive edge, right? You're, you're going against other people for the depth chart, even though you only control yourself. What are things that you teach from a mental performance standpoint to reset that focus? Hey, be where your feet are, be right back in this moment. Biggest thing, and, and you wrote about it in, in your second book, is I'll, I'll look at and identify control the controllables. So when I work with a team or a player, one of the first exercises we ever do is we'll go up on a whiteboard or depending on the locker room or team room, and we will literally list the things you can control and you can't control. So when they're falling down that rabbit hole of comparison and going there, I'll have them take a step back and say, okay, remember these lists we put together. Is anything on here compare your day six versus their year four? And they say, no, it's okay. So let's now use your words, be where our feet are. So we have a game or a practice this afternoon. So we're going to control the controllables and we're going to do what we need to do. And then tomorrow morning at our 7 a.m. team lift, you're going to then do that next step of action. Yes, you can still want to win that championship or get that starting job or whatever that goal is but you can't get a starting job in one minute. You know, I've worked with a lot of teams, division one, two, and three. I don't know any player that's ever come in and had a really great lift in September. And the coach says, you know what? You just crushed it. You're now our starting point guard for the next four years, no matter what, you know, if they do, and if someone can, can share that, I'd, I'd love to have a conversation, but it's the consistency of, and the foundation of controlling the controllables is a fun exercise to do especially when you do it with the team, because every single time I've done it, I, I hear different ideas and thoughts. And you know this from your world, you always take certain things from different. So I can say as someone who's, who's in my 40s, I learn from 18, 19, 20, 22, 23-year-old student athletes all the time because they have a different verbiage where they say something and I say, wow, like I've never verbalized it that way. That's now going back in my uh, arsenal for, for another school down the road. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Okay, so let's let's switch gears. Uh, related though, because I know one of the things I've seen over the last couple of years working with some clients is the the struggle that some of us had when we played sports. It's the quick reset on the fly, right? Middle of a game, you throw an interception, you miss a shot. And I've heard coaches, you know, they know like you don't get too high after making the big shot, you don't get too low after missing the shot. It's the consistency and effort throughout. But day-to-day -day life as an adult, right? Leading teams, working with people, it's a whole different animal sometimes because of things you're dealing with outside of your control on a really bad day. In the middle of the day, it's a whole lot harder to reset, right? End of the day, you're like, okay, I can get it. I'm going to sleep. Tomorrow's a new day. Let me start it over. But in the middle of a day, you have a bad meeting. You miss out on a sales call. 
What are some of the things that you help athletes do from a focus and reset in the game, in the practice that could easily transfer over to what we do in the corporate space? Yeah, no, I, I love that. One of the things it, it's, it's so simple and, and some of your listeners might, might chuckle or just smile. One of the things that people don't realize is the power of the body. And what I mean by that is, so let's say you're in a practice, basketball practice, and I'm there working with your team and you get subbed out. Most players will, will sit there and, and kind of stew and you can, I can see it on there. You know, they'll tense up, you know, they might say something to another teammate or just you can see in their body. A lot of times I look at them and I'll say, take a quick walk. And I'm not talking about leaving practice for, you know, a mile and come back, you know, 25 minutes later, the coach is like, what the heck happened? I'm talking about walking down 20, 30 yards, you know, getting a, a drink of water, coming back. And, and it's the physical perspective of taking your, your, your physical body away from the sideline for 15, 20 seconds. But then a couple, uh, another thing I do within that realm is take a couple deep breaths. You know, it's just, couple deep breaths. I had Shaka Smart on my podcast a couple of years ago, and you can actually watch Shaka's team. He's at Marquette now, and he did this when he was at Texas. Some of the players will actually, during games, during timeouts, you can actually see them close their eyes and just take a couple deep breaths. And to your point, it's that reset, but it goes back to getting too high and too low. Because if you get too high, you know this, it can negatively impact the next play possession if you're a baseball player, the next at bat. And then the same thing happens if you get too low. Now, all of a sudden you go in the basketball game, you go to the foul line, you shoot two free throws. And all you're thinking about are those four plays ago when you absolutely, you know, made the biggest bonehead play. And now you're trying to shoot a free throw. And all you're thinking about is that it goes to the other perspective of, and I I know, you know, the concept, and I'm sure you've talked, spoken about it in your corporate world is multitasking. Multitasking is the biggest misconception. So I always say to players, we focus on make the next play. Doesn't mean you don't care about, doesn't mean you don't, you know, feel bad about it, but statistics show you can't multitask. So if you're literally thinking about this, but trying to do that, it doesn't work. So if you're thinking about that play that happened 10, 15, 20 minutes ago, it's never going to be a good thing. So it's focusing on, you know, taking that quick walk, couple deep breaths. Some players like to close their eyes, but then the other perspective is we always talk about make the next play. Um, in sales world, we talk about make that next call, make that next sale. And, and the thing that people kind of miss, I feel is that sometimes the way, maybe it's the way I deliver it or you deliver it or it's received is some people think make the next play is, well, don't, don't care about the prior result. And I want to be very clear. It's not because there's momentum, both positive and negative. You make three sales calls in a row and you get three sales. I'm not saying be like, Oh, who cares? Use that momentum. But then the same thing on the flip side is, you know, don't use the momentum going the wrong way where you say, Oh, you know, last five sales calls went, you know, completely bust. Here's the sixth because it's going to happen. And, and it's the idea of, you know, where your energy flows often your energy goes. No, that's that's pretty accurate. I had a client uh, with a sales team that did a lot of outbound sales and high rejection, no rate. So what we did with them was similar to that, plus some things picked up from our guy Kaner. Uh, we drew on their whiteboard, they had a whiteboard in their office with all the motivational stuff around it. And we just put a little target on it and just put kind of win the next. And anytime you got one of those frustrating calls, get out of your chair, get away from your computer, go over in there and just pound the, the thing. What I wanted was you to have that movement piece for a reset of just, okay, win the next one. 
But secondarily, I wanted your captains on the floor, your managers to see when you've done that two to three, four times in a row in a half hour that you're on a bad streak. And that's an opportunity for them to step in and say, hey, let's talk about what's going on in these calls. Let's talk about where we can help you. So you get that two pronged approach. And so what I love about you had is like, hey, the physical reset, visual side, close your eyes, but controlling that breath. And and most importantly, what you said is not disconnecting the emotion. It's almost putting a pause on it, right? You can feel and go through the emotional side of it after the game. When you're watching tape, when you're dealing, but processing it on the court, not the best place for it to your point, because we can't multitask. No. And I think to just to follow up with your point, I think so many people by default process it in the moment. And I'm not saying again, in any way that you just you know move on to the next play, like nothing matters. But when you try to process it in the moment, it distracts you from other things and it's not the right time. Um, I, I meant to ask you, I don't think we talked about this, but um, have you heard of or ever used with your clients, um, Ben Crane's three reflection questions? No, no, so, share it with me. So I had um, a guest on my podcast that introduced me to Ben Crane's three reflection questions, which I've stolen, tweaked, copied. Um, after every round of golf, whether it's practice, whether it's the first round or it's championship Saturday or Sunday in a tournament, Ben Crane asks himself three reflection questions. Number one, what did I do well? Oh, number yep. two, what did I learn? And number three, what am I going to do about what I learned? So I've had so many different reflection questions. And I know, you know you're a fan of, of Brian Kane as well. And he's talked about the start, stop, continue. Yep. And it's, it's so many different variations. But what I love about um, Ben Cranes that work for me, and I've seen work with a lot of my clients, is the first thing is, is identifying something that you did well. Because almost to a T, every single person's reflection starts with, what did I miss? What did I fail? How did I fall short? Not that, again, I'm in any way saying don't address that, but I really and truly believe in having a positive perspective where you say, okay, you know, what is something you did well? And the reason for that is, is you want to do more of it. You want to replicate yep. and duplicate it. The second one, you know, what did I learn? And then the third, I get asked all the time, excuse me, people say, well, what's the most important out of those three? And I say, number one and two are hugely important, but by far the third question, which is what are you going to do about what you learned? Because that goes back to what you and I first spoke about is, is those people that take action on that versus those that don't. And I love those three reflection questions because they're so simple and and the reason I love them is because they're so simple to forget, you know, like, oh, I'll yep. do it tomorrow. And then all of a sudden. So I'll ask some of my players, like, hey, have you done your reflection questions? And they'll be like, oh, yeah, I did it two two Wednesdays ago. I'm like, OK, we've had, you know, 11 practices and four games since then. Like, how are you like, oh, well, I'll do it now. And I, and I always say it's really hard two weeks later to the, then go back and say, OK, I've had you know, if you're a baseball player, I've had, you know, 27 innings I've played and I've had, you know, 32 at bats. You're like, okay. So on that seven, that bat, what was I thinking? And again, it, it's not saying do it in the moment, but take five minutes at night and just look at, or the next morning and say, Hey, let me go through these three quick reflection questions. Yeah. So we package that as a well, better how same setup. Um, and I love the idea. We actually incorporated it in our, when your next journal as a way end of day, reflect on it. But I love the idea of like a player or a sales professional or a leader at the end of a business day doing it right after a practice while things are fresh, but also the following day, as you start the day, reflecting back, looking at what did I write down yesterday? 
what I do well, how do I continue it? What did I want to do better? What, how am I going to be more intentional at doing that better today? It just helps that. It's that importance of setting the intention with every single day versus just going through autopilot. Society goes through autopilot, right? But we don't want the results of most of society. We want better. So in order to have better, we've got to be better and do better. So, dude, this has been a lot of fun. I really appreciate you coming on hanging out on the show with us. I know you've relaunched the podcast. You're working on book number four. Four as well. So well ahead of me on that game. Uh, for those listening, dude, you put out some great content. What's the best social media platform to connect with you? And then give me your website. I already know it, but let our listeners in on it. I appreciate it. Um, biggest one is uh, Instagram. I, I've connected my Facebook to Instagram. So when I post on Instagram, it goes automatically to Facebook also. But Instagram, it's uh, no underscore quit underscore living. And then the two websites are noquitliving.com and the Positivity Tribe. Dot com and and you know I always leave my personal email address just because I love connecting with people. It's Chris at noquitliving.com. And I just want to thank you for the opportunity to jump on here again. And uh for our list for listeners, if you have not picked up a copy of Jake's new book, make sure you get two of them, one for yourself and one to give to somebody um that is in a leadership position or maybe going into a leadership position because I think it's a fantastic read and uh, appreciate you. Dude, thanks so much. I appreciate you being one to review the early copy, making some time to come on right for the holiday week uh, as well in the end of the new year. But dude, always appreciate you. Listeners, be sure to follow my man. Head on over to his website. You want to check out what the Positivity Tribe's all about. You're going to feel right into it. So Chris, thanks again, my man. Appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Compete Everyday Podcast. To get in touch with the team, drop us an email to podcast at competeeveryday.com. And to find out more about our resources, content, and gear that will help you build that winning mindset so you better compete for your best life, visit competeeveryday.com.